This episode of Nintendo Expansion Pass is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our family of podcasts, head over to patreon.com slash bossrushmedia or search for us on the Patreon app on your smart device. Thanks for helping us build something better. We are coming to you with this kind of uh, show where we are talking about a game that we completed and spoiled. It's not it's not in the book club, book yeah, it's not in the book club kind of vein. But we're going to be talking about games that came out that we completely played, and we're going to spoil about it. So we're going to kind of talk about the story, some of the characters, and how the game ends. So if you not if you haven't played the games that we are talking about, you know if you still want to check it out, you can. But uh, if you have played it, give it a listen and let us know what you guys think. Uh, but I have a special guest. Okay, everybody, look, we, we're just gonna probably end up adopting this guest for the Boss Rush Media, you know, as one of our like partner families. Everybody from the single player experience and the pro nerd pro nerd report. Welcome back, Sebastian. Hello, good sir. What's up? What's up? What's up? Always glad to collab with y'all. Always glad to be part of the fam. Um, glad to be here on the show today as well. How you doing today? I am doing terrific. Uh, excited to actually be talking about uh, this game, which is Hi-Fi Rush. Um, I'm excited to play this. I, I mean, not play this. Uh, I'm excited to talk about it because uh, I know my phone is going off. So sorry, everybody. Uh, I'm a busy person at times. <laughs> uh, He's a busy man. He's a businessman, everybody. Yes. Uh, but I... Um, I am excited to talk about this because I knew I knew people who love this game. It's right now for a lot of people. It's almost game of the year right now. It's a big nomination. Some people are just like, yeah, this is a perfect ten. Uh, but I kind of want to hear from you of what you thought about this game. Uh, but before we get into that, Sebastian, yeah, yeah, what did you what did you think about the developers direct from Microsoft? I th- um I mentioned this on the single player experience podcast. I thought the developers direct from Microsoft was good, not great. Um I think it I don't think besides the shadow drop of Hi-Fi Rush um back then, I don't think they did anything amazing to make you say like, "Oh, I completely changed my mind on a game that mm-hmm. I had a idea about." Like Forza for instance. I don't think anything in that sh- in that showcase made you say like, "Oh, I was on the fence about Forza and now I'm a j- now I'm all in." I think if you were going to play that game anyways, you're still going to play that game and if that game wasn't for you because it is not Forza Horizon, it is the straight-laced Forza where you're basically driving around in a, just a circle is the the motorsport version. Then yeah, that game isn't going to be for you obviously. So I don't think they made I don't think they convinced people like on who are on the fence about any of their games. I think there are still question marks about Redfall that a lot of people are concerned about. I think there are questions about Minecraft Legends which, you know, for better or for worse, I think the people who are going to play that game are still going to play it and just like I said earlier, and the people who aren't aren't going to touch it with a 10-foot pole and you know like besides how far rush i think if this game wouldn't have got shadow dropped a lot of people would have been like eh that was just an okay presentation what did you feel about it i definitely enjoyed it um i i understand what they were doing with this presentation breaking everything down um i was kind of disappointed with the force apart because i'm like we need a date come on you just can't be saying summer i'm like microsoft you need dates for your games um but like seeing uh hi-fi rush and just seeing the animation and i'm like oh my goodness someone is able to make an insomnia game without actually being insomnia or insomniac insomniac, insomniac. Yeah. <laughs> It's Soniac. And so, <laughs> so I uh, I I was excited to see this game. Didn't know nothing about it. People said that it was leaked and stuff. I'm like, where? Because no one knew about this game at all. And so uh I, I like that the uh, their developers direct how they kind of mixed like behind the scenes, how they got the production and everything. 
uh, and breaking parts down. So I definitely enjoyed it for what they did. Uh, and I, I want to see more. I think they could continue to develop us direct if they want to continue to bring like five or six games and one of those games be a shutter drop. That's that's cool. I'm fine with that. Uh, but I think they need to have dates because I think the, with the developer direct is more for updating what these games of what's going on with the progress. And then like their showcase is just be announcing and revealing games that is coming to their platform, to the Microsoft ecosystem. So I think with this developer direct, I think they did a great job just starting off. It wasn't uh, big and bold. It didn't get too many people excited, but it was just like for a premiere uh, idea that they want to go with, this was a good presentation. This was a good show. I like that. I like that opinion. Um, I'm glad you got excited, and I'm glad you like everything that was shown here was enough to get you excited as an Xbox gamer. Um, yeah. You know, you know, I think one of the the cool parts about this, and I know this is gonna cringe you up a little bit, is like each one of these games that they showed were were Game Pass games. You know, yes. and for a lot of people, I think that's like that's big because I think if you were on the fence, the Game Pass argument is going to convince you to hey, give, I'll give these a try these big tentpole games because I am already a member of this ecosystem. So, you know, I, I think it's a decent showing. Like I said, I don't think it's like a nine or 10 out of 10 kind of showing, but I do think there's a lot to be excited about if you're an Xbox gamer. Yes. So high five rush. Let's get into it because mm -hmm. this game, I, I, I feel like it's a new genre, but it's not really anything new. It's just, Something that was executed very well and everything. So uh, to let everybody know, High Five Rush is a Microsoft exclusive from Tango Works. It's a rhythm action game where you must uh, time the beat to attack enemies that you encounter. You play as Chai, who was aspired to be a rock star, and he has volunteered to be a test subject for Project Armstrong at Vandalay Technologies. Unbeknownst to him, something... Something rests sinister with the project, and after an incident that happens with Chai during his operation, he ends up at, uh, he ends up on a grand adventure he didn't expect. Uh, this was released on January 25th for Series S and X and Windows, and like you mentioned, it is available on Game Pass. If you would like to purchase this game, it is twenty nine. I think it's uh twenty nine ninety nine for the basic one, thirty nine ninety nine for the deluxe. So it is what we consider as a budget price title. So, um, if you want to be a Patreon producer, head on over to Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/BossRushMedia, and find out which tier is right for you. Our Patreon producers at the five dollar tier or higher for this month are Adriel Munger. Austin Campbell, Celeste Roberts, Christian S., Sana Dierig, Francisco Santillan, and Rebecca Jewell. Thank you for your continued support. So let everybody know uh, the executive producer was Shinji Mikami on this one. This is kind of like his last game that he's overlooking that we know of uh, before he leaves uh, Tango Works. So um i this is kind of like this 2d animated hand draw game until uh the game actually gets into action and it's almost like a smooth 60 frames per second um what you'll see on the screen is that there is a 4-4 beat counter that is going on so the buildings the grass the whole environment that you're in it's just like it's beating almost like a heartbeat, but it's on time. And you, what you as Chai, as a player, when you're attacking enemies, you have to land on the beat, so you have to time your attacks um, on it. Uh, there's different kind of gameplay ideas that they're introduced later on in the game. But as a as the gameplay goes, what did you think about it, Sebastian? I I think um your your analogy at the very beginning was an apt one i i do think there's a lot of tried and true uh, formulas into this game of like things that we've already seen in video games mm -hmm. but i mentioned this on my written review on the pronerdreport.com it is i called it a a game that is like video game version of soup 
because soup is a mixture of a whole bunch of different things that are collaborating together to make to make each other better, so to speak. Yes. And I feel like if you do soup well, you end up with a result that's almost better than the ingredients themselves. So like I, I feel like that's kind of what this game is because it's it's a mixture between like a rhythm game, an action adventure game, a platformer as well. Like it has some of the elements from like Devil May Cry and Kingdom Hearts and Jump and Jet Set Radio's art style. Like all these like amalgamations of a different of of different things that we've seen before, just combined into one unique and premier title. I don't think this. I think this game could have got away with being a sixty dollar title, and I think many people would have gone for it. But like, this doesn't feel like a budget game at all. This feels like a premium polished game. Well, it does have some repetitive parts, and it does have some some parts that I think you know probably could have been cut. It feels like a very lean, mean excellent video game and a good exclusive that we've been lacking yes. on the xbox side of things yes um for me oh sorry about that for me it was just like oh you know when i seen the action combat i was like oh that looks cool oh something that's on beat and then i was watching the trailer um uh, not the trailer i was watching like the intro and even Ch- chai's running is on a four four beat so it's like mm-hmm. And so you can you what I like about the game is is that even if you get off a beat, um, you still are your attacks still matter. But like if you are on beat, it gets more powerful and you're rewarded with something better. I will say though, and this happens with a lot of rhythm games, is that even though you you as a player think that you're on beat. There are sometimes in the game that's considered as a delay. So mm-hmm. even though you're pressing a button on beat because you hear it, the game doesn't register that way. So sometimes your uh, attacks that you do doesn't register right or the, your combos will come out right even though you're still attacking and, uh, you know, destroying the enemy in a certain in a certain way what you were trying to do doesn't always get pulled off because in rhythm games even though your own beat when you hear it on the ear the game doesn't register that way i had a lot of problems with elite beat ages that way is that i'm tapping everything to the beat but it's not registering um because i tap it but the game recognizes it as a delay. It's sometimes you just don't know. That's the problem with even with rhythm heaven, in, in a sense, is that um, the it sounds good, but the in execution it just doesn't work. So I, I think that's a good good way to put it because like I do see a lot of like delays where I'm I, where it almost made me feel like man, this made me feel like I had no rhythm at first because like right. some of the timing was a little bit off, but. For the most part, I felt like they did. They executed well. I don't. I don't like some of the timing schemes that they have in this game because yeah. some of them feel a little weird, and it almost feels like what we saw in like old 360 games, especially when you have to unlock like when you have to like disable a machine and you have to like hit like there's a timed um, a time mechanic, very much uh, like akin to Guitar Hero, where you had to press like A Y B X Y B X Y B A. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah that kind of mechanic was like a little tedious at, at different parts because you almost had to repeat it like almost like three to four times during a couple of missions there. And I was just like, okay, we kind of get that. And I feel like that could have been executed a little better. But other than that, yeah, it's a it's a fine game. I do think it has its deficits here and there, but like I really liked that they came out of the gate swinging cuz like just like you said, you're running very early into this game. This game comes out of the gate with like a lot of momentum behind it. Your character is like it's it takes like no time at all to get going, to get to the gameplay, to get to the rhythm, to get to yes. like to get to like the meat and potatoes of what this game is. And I I think this is like a really cool project that sort of came out of nowhere for a lot of us. Yes. Uh, well, let's get uh, with the characters. Uh, Chai, he is your main character, your future rock star. Um, he, you know, happy to go to get this operation and everything. And uh, when you see him, his arm looks broken. So it looks, I don't know if it was, you know, kind of dead, like he couldn't move his arm anymore or if mm-hmm. he had hurt himself. But he ends up getting replaced with a metal 
uh, piece. Um, but our main villain, Vale, uh, he somehow was going through uh, Chai's uh, items and he sees an MP3 player and he like, you know, doesn't like stuff like that. He chucks it. Um, it starts, you know, traveling and making its way to Chai. And while Chai is laying on, uh, but, you know, about to get, you know, pressed, had this operation done on him, his uh, MP3 player falls onto his heart and then he gets pressed. Uh, when he uh, everything comes out, the this is kind of part of the comedy. The bed that he's laying on throws him off, and he runs into he gets thrown into a fence, uh, falls down, and starts rolling like ah, what's going on? Uh, he sees his metal arm, and then he's making he's making his way through. Um, he ends up getting checked by these three robots, and they see that he has his arm, but he they also realize that he has a defect inside of him, which is his MP3 player. Uh, he gets attacked by one of the robots, and it kind of starts the MP3 player playing off. And, you know, when that happens, uh, Chai then starts seeing the world in a rhythm uh, fashion. So, mm -hmm. um, that's how the rhythm part comes, so everything gets beaten. So, um, the other uh, character you later meet is Peppermint. Uh, she has her cat that once you touch, you guys sink, and it helps you do like special moves and things. Uh, Macaron, uh, he's this uh, gentle kind of. Uh, I think he's a weapons developer. I think. Yeah, uh, he's a yeah. He's just general. Um, not just weapons. It's like the general R and D scientist for for that um company. Yes, and then he has his sidekick Cinnamon, but it's spelled C M N C N M N in her thing. Uh, and then you have Cor Sika, who is head of security that you uh, end up fighting. Uh, Roxanne, uh, is um, I believe is like kind of like this other woman that's no, I'm sorry, Roxanne is Vale's mother and uh, Peppermint's mother and stuff. Uh, Rekka, she's kind of like the guard of of it. Uh, of it. Um, she's this big uh, looking wrestler. Uh, Zanzo, he's uh, head of uh, R&D, uh, which is fire. Um, there's uh, Mimoso, uh, uh, Mimoso, who's this woman. Uh, um, you know, she's kind of like the PR in a sense, mm -hmm. and uh, her battle was very long. Uh, it to was get very long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then you got Rockford, who is uh, this? Uh, what was Rockford? What was he over? Um, um, and they were each over a department because, like, Rock's uh, like Rekka was head of like um, Rekka. She was head of um, um, production because she was the production girl. Yeah, and. And then you had, let's see, Mimosa was head of marketing. I would probably say, I, if I remember correctly, I think she was the head of, mm, I can't, um, financing, financing. She was the money person. Okay. Yeah, financing. Because I know Rockford had this beautiful Joe kind of final battle mm -hmm. uh, with it. Um, so uh, he's kind of like the fifth boss uh, yeah. that you fight in the game. So uh, the way that it happens is, is that you fight Rekka as the first boss, um, well, actually the second, because you encounter this big, giant robot thing that's swirling around with you, and you have to uh, break it down. You Next, you go to uh, Rekka. Uh, following Rekka is going to be Zanzo, uh, which his fight is just completely funny. Um <laughs> next you fight uh next uh next you fight um Corsica who ends up being part of your crew later on. Uh Mimosa is like the second uh no um Rockford is the uh is who you fight next and I think uh Mimosa is the second one because she's uh like kind of almost the last boss before you get it to veil and everything so 
Um, that's kind of the way that the game goes. It's only like about 10 levels in this game that you go through. Um, so let's get into uh, these uh, levels. And so before we get into the story, what did you think of? What did you think of the levels? I, I thought they were creative. Um, some of them kind of overstayed their welcome a little bit, but I think they were very creative. You know, I, a lot of what I thought about this game feels like, and you'll kind of see it in the levels, in the level designs, it's like I loved how everything in the game had rhythm and, the, and yes. was moving to the rhythm. Like even like the the platforms that you would you would move on, they would all like move to that beat. The lasers that you would have to avoid were all on beat as well. Like everything about this game screamed creativity. You and I mentioned like that uh, the debate is sort of off the, off air of like, would you rather have a game that's creative and innovative, or would you rather have something that's like extremely polished and traditional? And this feels like it's a very good mixture of both because like it's got so many traditional elements of gameplay in it like the platforming mm-hmm. you've seen that in millions of games the grappling uh, as far as like you grappling from one ledge to another like you do in the levels you've seen that in batman you've seen that in spider-man it's like it this game does just little things from other games and mixes it in with its level design this meticulous level design i'm I like because each level is very like it's catered to like a very certain theme and i like that i like how each level has its own theme each level has its own like mini bosses and fight and fight patterns in within every level it's i really love the way that they have a thought process behind every single thing in this game and i think like from level one all the way to level 10 you saw that and yeah i will say though in level like in a couple of levels i do feel like some parts like i said earlier kind of overstay their welcome like they could have been short that maybe like maybe that 15 to 30 minute mark because some of these these are long levels man these are yeah, like, they're like huge about levels. 45 minute levels yeah these are huge levels and Honestly, I don't remember playing a game with levels that big to where there were so many small, like, so many, uh, like, there's only 10 levels, so it's, like, it's not a huge game, but, like, I don't remember playing a game like this since Halo, as far as, like, the the game, the levels mm-hmm. itself being, like, extremely long, but I liked them. What did you feel about the, each level? I thought they were very creative. Um, I think I just like the levels where there was just simple platforming and stuff. And, and I'm okay with tricky platforming and stuff. Uh, I some of some of them they kind of had like you gotta you know get three switches or three keys to open up a door. They they have all of that collected down stuff, and I'm like, okay, fine, but it's not needed in a game like this. And, and everything. Uh, I, I will say there is a level that you are on this train that you are transporting oh, to, so and you got this like big field to uh, fight and everything. Uh, and at the end of it, you just start tumbling down, and then there's like three robots that look at me like, oh, okay. okay it's just like. <laughs> Right, and it's just like, okay, that's funny, but I'm like, to get there, it was just so long, because there's parts, there's one part where you have to kind of, like, unscrew parts of the thing, so you can make it, but you're also being attacked, and it's just like, I do not like gameplay with this. I understand that you want me to screw, uh, uh, unscrew something, but you're giving me enemies to distract me, and I'm on a timer? Oh, I, I... do not like that and everything. <laughs> uh, but I'm like, when it's just like me getting to point A to point B, and I'm doing these these cool fights and everything, and using my secondary character to help me with the fight at times, uh, I thought that was that was really cool. Um, and even though that's like gameplay thing, some sometimes like you need to get through a door or something you got to call your secondary character to get through but i i did i enjoyed the parts where like you said where you know you're sliding down and you got this railway that you're just flipping and jumping it's very sonic the hedgehog 3d when you're in like in that kind of style and stuff it really is yeah 
and I, I think I like the way that at points, like when they do the camera and they just show you moving and then it goes right behind you again and you're and you're moving there. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, Zanzo's level, the uh, volcano, like you like in oh, this yeah. uh, heated yeah. area. I thought they used, those was kind of like the best levels because A, it's, it's a fire level, of course, but it was easier to get through. You actually don't have to fight Zanzo in this level. That was really creative. I because I was at when, after I thought the the wrestler character. Um, I believe was it um, Rekka. Rekka, yeah. After I fought her, I you sort of get like a, into a rhythm where you where it kind of tricks your brain into thinking, okay, this is just going to be a routine like a routine game where you like you play through the level and then you fight a boss, and that sort of flipped everything on its head because like. When you're when you're going through the volcano and everything, it felt like it was culminating into that moment where, of course, you were going to have to fight a routine boss at the end. But then yes. it turns out you didn't have to fight him at all. It, it was like it it led up to, instead of like the big payoff being a big fight, it led up to the big payoff being a huge joke. And I liked that. It felt original. It felt fresh. It felt like they actually had like a thought process behind like, hey, let's do something just a little bit different to make this one part of our game stand out. And I like that touch. Yes. So for to let everybody know with Zezo, uh chapter three and chapter four, is that you have to go in his research department and destroy stuff so that his budget will fall down. And uh, as you are destroying stuff, the, his budget keeps going down. And when you get to him and he's about to get powered up and you're about to have, you're thinking you're having this final battle, but you see his money go down and he ends up being defeated by being defunded. And it's it, it it's this joke where you just see him laying on the ground with light uh, uh spotlight handle and the chest says on the word defunded. So he's defeated that way. So you uh you get out your um your guitar and then just smack him and hit them and then you connect this key. But his key flips this through your hand and hits cinnamon and falls down. You know, uh... I, I know we're going to talk about like some of the story elements in a little bit, but like mm-hmm. this moment, and I, I kind of want to allude to this later in the show as well. You know, this moment really made me feel like this whole, like everything about this game kind of felt almost like the show Avatar The Last Airbender. Like the yes. comedy, the way they like, the way they tell a story, the comedy, the characters even themselves. Like you could have told me like, the same character Chai was Sokka from La- Avatar of the Last Airbender, and I would have completely believed you. Like I would have mm-hmm. been like, okay, I get that completely because he is very much like Sokka, and like uh, everyone in this in the show kind of acts almost like a Avatar character, so to speak. And I love it. I you know I don't think that's a knock against it that they kind of like imitated imitated that like comedy style because it absolutely works in this. Yes. So uh, there is a level, uh, you know, you actually uh, get to a point where um, things a little bit like kind of slow down and everything. I think it's uh, you meet Corsica and she like knocks you out. She like she hits you and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you end up in the dream and everybody's snapping. That was so cool. Mm-hmm. That was so, yes. And then you see his cat, uh, or you see Peppermint's cat coming around doing like the sexy dance and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it 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 uh, it was kind of cool to see that. And it was just like telling him to wake up. You know, you're thinking you're back back at the hideout, but you're actually I think you're in jail. Uh, when you wake up. Yeah, you are. Um, you are, and like. It's also, like, I, I don't want to get too, like, metaphoric here, but it's also, like, a metaphor for him to wake up from that mentality that he can do everything by himself. Yes. It's, like, that he needs friends, too. He needs these people to help him, and by proxy, him to help them as well. Like, it's also kind of like that that extensive metaphor, and I'm like, I loved that, because it was, it was subtle enough to where, like, if you really wanted to analyze it, psychoanalyze it, you know, and really think deep and methodical about it, like you could, you you had that freedom to, but it was just that subtlety that made it feel like it was just a a tinge of like good writing versus like them just basically plunging him into that that dream sequence, waking up and then having a funny like goof to escape out of jail. 
It's just they went that extra mile, and I really love that touch. Yes. So and uh, with uh, speaking of her, uh, with uh, Corsica, her battle because um, and when you're before you fight Zenzo or you go through that, you earn you learn on how to counterattack and you know how mm-hmm. to block and counterattack. And so there is part of it where you're counterattacking Corsica's attacks and everything. And you kind of end up knocking her out with that. Um, when you end up beating her, you end up taking her back with you guys. And she ends up joining you. And, you know, she, she has the power kind of a fire in a sense uh, with that. Because with when after, I think later on after you get her, you start heading towards to uh, Mimosa, which is like a, a gallery and everything. You know, she's trying to get everybody to uh, come to her concert and everything that she was uh, getting ready to perform and stuff. Quick um, question: Maybe maybe this is a bad misunderstanding on my part. Was her power fire, or was it like? Did she have? I thought she had like wind power because she like eliminates. Fire, but yeah, right? she yeah she had wind power. I'm uh-huh. sorry. Yeah, I'm thinking of the enemies that your concert is with fire. So yeah, that's my true. bad, everybody. Because uh, uh, at, at some points that you use her to like open up secret passages, and then you're like on a timer to get through. Yeah, because uh, you had. Yeah, you have to use her because when you get to where Mimosa's about to do her concert, uh, she has these enemies that have fire that throw out. They're, they look like firemen in a sense and everything. That was the thing about these robots because you fight, you don't fight any humans. Uh, you fight robots. The only humans you in concert are the bosses. And what was funny about it, I was just like, this is very Mega Man-ish. It is. And and I love that and everything. So um, I, I will say I kind of wish Chai had different weapons to use. And so like other than the guitar or like yeah, I you know I think they did that because like and not giving him weapons because like the weapons that he would have gotten were just the support the support from the other people. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, like the way that um, the way that Carissa used her staff, like the way she wields her staff and like basically controls the wind, that could have been a that would have been your other weapon. The way like um, Peppermint had the blasters, that would have probably been your your other weapon. And then yeah. the way that Ma- uh, like Macaroon had like his gauntlets, that would have been your final weapon. So or like your big heavy weapon. So I think they, it, you know, like. I, you talked about the innovation earlier that we talked a little bit about that debate. And I think they went the other way of like saying, hey, instead of going the traditional way, we're, we're going to give you four weapons. We're going to be a little more innovative and give you four people who you can bring in at different times who yeah. have these weapons. And we're going to make those game mechanics as well. So I think it's a it, it, I think that that's the argument here. Do you go innovation or do you go with the traditional four weapons approach? Uh, hmm. I think because it was a rhythm action, I'm I'm thinking for the action side, and you know the Devil May Cry banners kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think I was thinking of that because of the different weapons that you can use. But I like where you're going. I like I like what you mean. I was just like, yeah, that makes better sense. Yeah, and everything because it does keep the gameplay simplified in in a sense. Uh, to let everybody know that they kind of, if you listen to the names that we're talking about, shy. Peppermint, Macaron, Cinnamon, uh, uh, Mimosa, you know, those kind of names are like drink slash uh, treat names, if mm-hmm. you think about it. Chai is a tea, Peppermint is a flavor, but also like a candy, uh, Macaron is a candy, Cinnamon is a spice, uh, Mimosa, you know, is kind of a fashionable uh, adult beverage. I would say that <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And Kale is kind of like even no not Kale. I'm sorry. Vale. Um Vale, Roxanne, uh, Rekka, Zanzo, and uh Rockfort. Those are mostly just like boss names, uh you know, just regular names for people and everything. Um so I, I, I oh go ahead. 
I was about to say, and, and to take it a little deeper, because like and this is how my mind works. I always think on a deeper level. It's not just that they're beverage names; they're also song names, and that fits the theme of the music of like Hi-Fi Rush being a very music sound um, rhythm beat kind of thing. Each one of these are names of songs as well. Yes, and speaking of uh, music, uh, the game's original soundtrack was created by former Konami composer Suichi Kobori, former Capcom composer Ryo Yuratani, and Tango Game Works sound designer Masatoshi Yangai. Hi-Fi Rush uses 10 licensed music tracks throughout the story, Lonely Boy by The Black Keys, One Million and The Perfect Drug by Nine Inch, In- uh, Nine Inch Nails, Free Radicals by The Flaming Lips, uh, Inazawa Chainsaw by Number Girl, Fast As You Can by Fiona Apple, Invaders Must Die by The Prodigy, Wolfgang's Fifth Symphony by Wolfgang uh, Gartner, Rowing by The Joy Formidable, and Honesty by Zwan. Uh, Bethesda Software's also created an official Spotify playlist with most of these tracks. Now, I gotta say, it was, I think, Chapter 8 or Chapter 9, you was kind of making your way to, uh, I think it's 1 million that mm-hmm. uh, that playing almost like around there. It's like a, a girl, a female singer. These these tracks, they they were banging. They <laughs> and I was just ones. like, so really good ones. Yeah. They were really good. There are some I feel like were better than others, of course, but like mm-hmm. I, I do feel like a lot of these soundtracks were really good. I you know, I I do almost wish they would have had like a little more licensed music here, and I understand yeah. why they didn't. But like, I almost wish they would have gone that extra mile and maybe given us some more licensed music of like some other cool renowned bands, um, especially of like uh, I'm a '90s kid, so I would have loved to see like some early 2000s kind of bands, especially in that like punk genre that's very akin to like Nine Inch Nails and and the Black Keys and such like that. I almost would have yes. loved to see see if we got like some bowling for soup here maybe some lincoln park here Ooh. i think oh can you imagine having like lincoln park in this but like, uh, yeah yes. but that's not to dis like yeah you know that's not to dissuade like and disrespect the the music that was in this game it was really good music i just almost wish we would have got that just a little bit more i wish they would have went a little harder you know Yes. Well, uh, let's get into the story. Uh, Chai, a 25-year-old man with a disabled right arm and a dream to become a rock star, arrives at the Vandalay Technologies campus to volunteer for Project Armstrong, a test program for a cybernetic limb replacement. Unaware to Chai, the CEO, Kel Vandalay, secretly designates uh, designates Chai to be a garbage collector for the company's waste management. As Chai's limb replacement process is about to begin, Kale throws away Chai's music player, which accidentally falls into Chai's test, chest and embedded with it during the process, causing Chai to feel a musical connection with his surroundings. As a result of the accident caused by Kale's carelessness, Chai is labeled a defect in the facilities robot security forces pursue him. Chai discovers his new arm can deploy electromagnetic, uh, electromagnetic uh, grabber stick originally meant for garbage collecting which he uses to fashion a guitar a guitar-like weapon. As he searches for a way to escape he encounters a robotic cat named 808. He is aided by an unseen ally Peppermint who communicates through the robotic cat and is guided to her hideout. There, she offers to help Chai escape if he agrees to help her investigate a conspiracy behind Project Armstrong. The two form a reluctant alliance. And now, this next paragraph is kind of what the main game uh, for the plot is. Soon, Chai helps Peppermint gain access to a Vendelay executive computer and learn about Spectra, an AI program that uses Vendelay's cybernetic implants as a backdoor for mind control. The two hatch a plan to access and shut down Spectra by securing past keys from each of the company's executives, including Kale. As they pursue their targets, they recruit more allies, including including the disgruntled and nervous former head of R&D, Macaron, and his blood psychology robot partner, Cinnamon. And eventually, Vendelay security chief, Corsica, at the Kale uh, makes an attempt on her life for discovering Spectra's true nature. While exploring the Museum of Vandalay Technologies, Peppermint reveals that she is Kale's sister. 
She explains that their mother, Vendelay's founder, Roxanne, encouraged her to leave home and find her own path. But Peppermint returned at the chaos and sent to CEO because she said something was wrong. Um, so I'm going to save the ending for last because um, when you find out that uh, those two were brother and sister, you end up finding out more that Roxanne, who is their mother, is still alive. Um, in our thing, but you end up getting captured because with Spectra, with the mind control, uh, Vail used it on, uh, I mean, Kale used it on his mother. Uh, and so, it's and then you end up, exactly, and so you end up getting trapped in this box, and you kind of have to uh, find a strength within you as Chai to break everybody free, and then start going through, and I think that's when you, uh, I think that's what you encounter Rockford, I think, or it may be at the Rockford um, with it. Because uh, Rockford is a vertical level because you have to go up to get to his office to fight him and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and what, with uh, Rockford, he turns into this wolf. And if you that think was of so the. Cool. Yeah, and if you think of the Wolf of uh, Wall Street, you know, money hungry and everything, that's kind of what he turns into. And uh, with that fight, you kind of uh, start knocking him, his energy down uh, to stun him and get him turned back into his regular self. And then you still, uh, end up finding him more. It has this beautiful Joe aesthetic because in beautiful Joe, you... Uh, you end up fighting these big monstrosities at times for bosses and stuff. Um, and just the way that the animation is looking with the cell shaded uh, kind of style to it, uh, it, uh, it reminds you of Beautiful Joe when you're fighting him. And it really does. It really does. Is that one of your favorite boss fights? Um, actually, to tell you the truth, uh, Cor uh Corsica's was was mine. Oh, you like the so you like the Perry system a lot then. Because... Uh, when it works. <laughs> okay. That's exactly what I was about to say. I'm like, because bruh, I was getting like very, very like um I guess you say frustrated with um that fight because the Perry system sometimes would not work like I've been wanting to. It, yes. It, the timing is either so meticulous or there's just a hair delay and it, it always would cause me to like get a little frustrated because you would have to repeat those patterns over and over again until you got it absolutely almost 100 percent correct yes and uh, with the pair system everybody they showed these kind of electric buffs and it has these uh timing so when it goes to executing them you have to match them so it'd be like da 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 Da, 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 da. And you just have to uh, time it with the button presses and everything. And yeah, so, so I, I kind of oh, go ahead. I was I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah, it's like that um, that big circle where the the there's two circles and that bigger outside circle gets smaller and you have to time it perfectly when it matches that perfectly little circle, that small yes. circle. And that's the timing that Kanik he was referring to when he laid down that dope beat just a second ago. Yes. So. Um, with that, uh, what did you actually think of the story um, before we get into the ending? Like with the mind control uh, and everything. I thought it was cool. I didn't. I think they could have went a little harder um, as far as like showing how dangerous the mind control could actually be because we only really got small stints of like the potential around it. And it was like almost like in a joking manner when they were like showing Chai how bad that thing could be. You know, like when yeah. they're using on Chai. I'm like, we never really got to see how diabolical his plot actually was. Or like, we, we it, it was, of course, implied uh, through like everything that he was saying that he was going to use it for nefarious, like corporate greed reasons. But like, we never got to actually see it because like the majority of the enemies you always face are, are robots. So right. other than the mom and Chai, like we never got to actually see the, the mind control in effect. So that kind of felt a little lackluster. It kind of felt like, it's a threat, but without knowing why or like getting to see it be a threat, it's just like mm-hmm. words that were spoken. But like other than that, I love the story. I think the characters are charming. I think the environments are really cool. I think like the I loved the way that like each of the characters felt like they had familiar tropes that we've seen in 
not just video games, but also like like I said earlier, the last Airbender. We've seen that in like animation and TV shows and such like that. But the characters still felt fun. They still felt fresh. And overall, I thought this story is like well worth the the forty dollars. And also like I can't wait to see these guys again. Like I I think that's the big takeaway here. I can't wait to see what if they were to do a sequel i'd be lining up for it because like they made me fall in love with these side characters and and chai you know they're gonna have to keep lucille she's like the ah, secretary yeah. <laughs> she was mm-hmm. just like next <laughs> like and she's a robot with sass but her mm-hmm. sass is dry and she's just like next do you think i care go through the door and it's just like who programmed her to be this way uh and stuff it did like kind of because the comic relief it kind of like the cleaners is the little small robots who are doing the errands like carrying the boxes they're like oh oh no my floor is wet my thing is messed up in there and it's just like they know that they just finished the whole room and you bust through the wall and you're having this big fight and it's just messing up and it's just like oh goodness and it's just so funny i'm just like they don't treat these robots with no respect but they're they're programmed to keep the business clean or running and and do all of that and stuff so it's very interesting um with that yeah you know um you know what it felt like to me it's like it felt like the whoever created this either felt like they were a late 80s kid or early 90s kid because like Mm -hmm. it felt like saturday morning cartoons from that kind of era uh like era of like it felt like very much what you'd see from like a Darkwing Duck or like a Tailspin, like the yeah. comedy stylings. And then like you combine that with like the secretary that you were mentioning. What was her name again? The secretary uh, Lucille. 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 Lucille is the exact same character from Monsters Inc. Where you know, like, you know, um, have you seen Monsters Inc.? Yes. Okay, you know, there's like a um a character, she's the secretary also, like the who ends up becoming the undercover agent, where she's like always like, Don't forget your paperwork, Mr. Lebowski, and such like that. And she has like a dry, very sense of humor. And he's uh-huh. like, You're looking very lovely today. And she's just like, Don't forget your paperwork. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> like that exact same character. It, I love it though. I absolutely love it. Yes. <laughs> well, right. We're going to jump into uh, the end part of the game. So it is spoiler territory. If you not ha- if you haven't played the game, I do recommend uh, giving this game a try. Um, but if you want to continue to listen, we're spoiling the part now. Um, as the group pursue Kale, their final target, they encounter Roxanne, but learn she is being controlled by Kale. Kale traps the group and explains that he plans to use Project Armstrong to control users' purchasing habits. Chai frees himself and his allies from the trap and battles Kale. With Kale defeated, they shut down Spectra and frees uh, Roxanne from his control. Afterwards, Roxanne is reinstated as CEO of Vendelay Technologies. Peppermint and Chai are offered jobs within the company, and Macron and Corsica uh, regained their old jobs. Later, Chai and his friends gather to look at the sunset while he practices playing guitar so that he could uh, have a fallback career. Um, events after the main story reveals that Spectra has, begin, has begun restarting by itself with the AI appearing to be a replica of Kale. However, Spectra is unexpectedly shut down after a cleaning robot accidentally pulls the power plug. Chai declares the problem solved and leaves a warning note not to touch the plug. Somebody's going to plug that up in the sequel. Somebody. <laughs> right. So uh, that's how Hi-Fi Rush is and everything. I hated that final battle against oh, yeah, Kale. I sure. I did that last battle about twenty times. I can understand it is very tedious too, and I I don't like it. Almost demands perfection in its controls. Where yes. we just we spoke about it earlier. Like this is an imperfect game. Yes, uh, and to let everybody know, there are special moves and abilities that you can buy, uh, chips that you can acquire to make yourself powerful. I didn't really bother with a lot of that. It's just like once I kind of like 
got all the basic moves, the special moves that I was supposed to do, like button wise for combat. Everything else I just didn't care for. Oh, you're you're different than me. Like I um I didn't buy very many special moves at all. I only bought the combos for the most part. Yeah. Like those I, those action like the Devil Makes style Devil May Cry style combos. Yes. Like that's what I kind of focused on. And like after I just did that, I just like I would find a lot of the like the health upgrades and the um what is the other the the other ones the power boost upgrades mm -hmm. i would find a lot of those like just natively like while i was exploring and that kind of uh, like natively like upgraded my health and my like and that amplifying meter so i didn't really feel the need or was compelled to actually buy those chips yeah, I I try I did try to do a lot of air combos because I know mm -hmm. I could fight them in the air and not be touched. And so just whipping around with the grappling hook and you know I, I didn't like the big bosses because I mean not the big bosses like the big enemies because they took forever to get through. And I'm just like oh I gotta keep switching characters around to fight them and everything. But it is what it is. Um, yeah, that that fight against Kale, I understand it's supposed to be challenging, but it was so long and a lot of times <laughs> unfair. I'm like, no, no, oh, I gotta do this again. And you know, even if you got to a certain point, if you die, you have to redo the whole fight from the beginning. It's very Sony in the fact because, like, Sony games is like, if you get to the last part of that fight. And you die, you have to restart it all over again. I'm like, why? I, I, if you're gonna give me a fight that uh, enemy has like three or four different changes or uh, health bars, please, for the love of everything, if I defeat them and you give me a cutscene, make that as a checkpoint. <laughs> Be fair with your checkpoints because you don't want to. You don't want to. You just spent like ten minutes in a fight, and now you got to spend another ten that same ten minutes or even longer trying to get back to where you was at. Like, yeah, who that's wants, a bit who rough. Wants to deal that. That that can be a bit rough if I, if I'm being honest. That that part can be a bit rough, but like. It is one of those things to where I'm like, I think that's a old tr older trope that we're seeing kind of slowly phase out in video games, especially mm -hmm. like um, you mentioned Sony. Well, like God of War kind of has like settings to where you like you can change that setting to where like you can say like, hey, do you want boss uh, boss checkpoints as well? And like it basically has like when you get to a certain point, like it'll automatically install like a three fourth checkpoint or halfway there checkpoint. You know, you just have to yes. make it to that point. So I do think this is like I said, though, this is like an amalgamation of a whole bunch of like different tropes from like the Xbox, like the Xbox 360 era and the PS4 era, but like done in the next gen kind of way, you know? Yes. So, I, I feel like I feel like that's a that's a kind of an aspect that kind of is very much from that PS uh, PS3 Xbox 360 era kind of like feature that will hopefully go away if they make a sequel. Yes. So everybody, that's pretty much it. High five rush. Uh, any other thoughts, Sebastian? Um, I I think this is a great game i don't necessarily think this is going to be game of the year but <laughs> i don't i think we are leaning towards a stacked rest of the year when it comes to game of the year contention mm -hmm. i do think this is a surprise of the year probably like if if we had a category for that i think it would be high up there i like everything about this i want to say um shout out to shout out to the how diverse this game is by the way it has some really good yes. representation of a lot of different um people of different backgrounds and such i love as a as a chocolate person i love macaroon and i loved seeing you know like a black man in a in a sup good supporting role i in this game and i think they really did really cool representation with hair and different things about like different like features about him that made him feel very much black without necessarily being a over-the-top stereotype of us yeah so shout out to that and Outside of that, though, I think this is a really good game. I think there are elements that kind of overstay their welcome, and it does get repetitive, especially when you like you're going to like 
platform to platform and then it makes you stop like every three platforms just to fight like three waves of enemies over and yes. over again that kind of gets a little repetitive but other than that fine game what do you think um i i really did enjoy this game i think like if i had to rate it and everything i would definitely give it like a nine um oh, wow. uh, with this like i i high production great animation um it it really a lot of people just like yes it has that insomniac feel which did ended up leading to people be like man i need to go check out sunset overdrive because you know sunset overdrive got dragged because it was a Sunday game on Xbox. It had nothing to do with the the game itself. It's just that people didn't like Insomnia making the game outside of PlayStation. And so they just dragged that game for no apparent reason. But then everybody started, people started looking at it and it started reminding them of that game. And people went, ended up starting playing Sunset Overdrive and understand how good that game was and everything. So I, I, I and I love the animation. I love that Microsoft allowed them to tell this, um, I would say, kind of this teen story. Um, and, you know, Lena Tango works, brings something different that I could actually say this only belongs on Microsoft. This doesn't belong on any other platform. Like, I don't want, I don't need a Nintendo to imitate the style or try to be inspired to make a game out of it. I don't even need Sony to do that. I'm like, I literally feel like this is something nice fresh as an IP from not only Tango Works and Zenimax, but just from Microsoft itself. It's nothing that's too adult or anything. I think it's something that anybody could grab and play and learn. And you don't have to feel punished that you're not on rhythm, you know, that you're not on beat. So I I definitely would say that it earns all the ratings. I will say that I I kind of feel like it does deserve a Game of the Year nomination because not only is it a new IP, it really speaks that this is what Microsoft needs more of. They need more of a game like this and not try to have a big cinematic AAA experience like all the time. I think they just needed something literally low-key that people could go in and be like, hmm, yeah, this definitely speaks Microsoft and only Microsoft. Yeah, I think you're um I think you made some good points there. I I I the reason why I'm not giving this like a game of the year like nod this mm-hmm. early on in the year is because like I Right now, if if the if the year was to end, this would have my vote for game of the year in in mm-hmm. the March that we're recording this time frame. This would be my game of the year. But like, if I'm looking at the landscape of what's to come, and you got Tears of the Kingdom, you got like Jedi's, you got Jedi Survivor, you also have Spider Man, you have Starfield, you have um, I I don't think this is going to be anywhere near my game of the year list, but you have Forza. But like you have so many different banger after banger after banger yes. games that I think. I do think this is going to get nominations at the Game of the Year Awards. I do think, but I don't think it's going to be for Game of the Year. I think it's going to be for like best music. I think it might be for best art. I think it, Mm -hmm. I think it's just going to win awards. I don't think it'll be for Game of the Year though. I would laugh if this is the best, best family friendly game at the uh, Game of the Year. I can see that. I can see that, but then again, it's got to go, it's got to go up against other Nintendo games. Like at that point, it's got to go up against. Uh, I, I still feel like that category is so unfair. It's basically the Nintendo categories. <laughs> it really well, is. And, 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 I, well, and that's the thing about it. <laughs> and this is for an, another show discussion. Yeah, yeah, sure. I feel I really feel like it's unfair and kind of stereotypical, stereotypical and in a way kind of games are not very discriminatory and stuff, but it's unfair in the fact that why is this only the Nintendo category when Nintendo kind of have released a lot of games in different genres that should be able to fit. And with the Game Awards, they go to the most popular stuff or the big AAA experience and not look at games like Fire Emblem Three Houses or look at Xenoblade or look at like some like, on, Xenoblade did get Xenoblade got nominated for Game of the Year though. It it, it did. It, yeah. 
it, uh, it did, but this is the first time. This is the last year was the first year that majority of a lot of Nintendo games did get get represent represent right. But why? But I'm like, why is not that like not every year ever since Switch came out that they have hit different milestones in genres telling different stories? Why is it just like, oh, it's only these third party or first party games from Microsoft and Sony, and then here's this one category for Nintendo, and we're gonna move on. I here here's my here's I think my explanation and I'll try to be brief with this is like I think a lot of people look for in in a, the end of the year awards so to speak mm-hmm. whether it be the game awards or any other outlet I do think a lot of people look for innovation but they also look for what do what do you do in storytelling and I think that's where you know you and I might have disagreements and opinions though, but like I don't besides Xenoblade and besides Fire Emblem Three Houses, I think there is a gaping hole in Nintendo's portfolio with games that have big emphatic stories. Like, mm-hmm. I don't I, I'm not saying they don't have stories. Don't get me wrong. I don't want you I don't want the Nintendo PAL fans to come at me here. But like <laughs> I but I do think there there are levels to this. Like I think like when you look at stories that could be made into movies, like it it, it seems like Mario is a exception to the rule where like we now got a Mario movie coming out to where like you can see, oh, that looks like a good movie versus like in the last 20 years, you can pick a lot of a lot of Nintendo franchises and you'd be like, oh, that probably wouldn't make a good movie, but that makes a really good video game you know what i mean mm-hmm. and but if you look at like sony xbox and i'm not and even third party stuff like red dead redemption 2 like they could put red dead redemption 2 as a movie to as I, you know it might not be for you but like they could put that as a movie it, it made by like quinn tarantino put mm-hmm. jamie fox in it you know like i'm casting the whole movie but here but like <laughs> if they can make a movie like that and people are going to like pay to go see that kind that type of movie Whereas if you put like um, Kirby and the like Kirby's Dreamlight or something to that nature, it's like no one. I don't. I think you have a hard time getting people to the the theaters to see that. And I think that's where like in the Game Awards, I think I do think narratives matter, and I do also think like narratives matter, and it's also innovation, and that that's where you also see like the the line there, whereas whereas like. Uh, Mario Odyssey got a game of the year nomination and I think the only I think that year it didn't win because it went up against Zelda and those two were the front runners though if you if you look at it so I think Nintendo does well I just think I I really believe that it's been a while since Nintendo made a game of the year like front runner to where you like they made a game to where you're like instantly look at that and you go like that's probably going to win game of the year or at least that's probably going to be a runner-up like I don't think they've made a game since Mario Odyssey or like or Zelda Breath of the Wild that most people thought that that's a legit like um, hands down that's probably going to win games the game of the year. I think they made like I think they made contenders, but I, in sports, contenders is different than being a championship contender. You know, I, I, and I sometimes well, and we're gonna end, we're gonna wrap yeah, this up. So, sure. so this is kind of like what is content for everybody. I think with the the thing about it is like sometimes with Nintendo, it's just that yeah, it may be a contender, it may not be not it may not even be game of the year, but sometimes people don't remember the game of the year and the other games that Nintendo have made is continually being played. Like, oh, Elder not Elder, I won't use Elder Ring or something. Yeah, oh, God of War. Yeah. Right. Oh, God of War has been, you know, has won and it beat out this game that Nintendo. But then you look at social media just on Twitter itself, like why is everybody still playing this game from this from this year and no one is speaking about that game of the year talk? I think, uh, you know, like, I think you made a good, good point. I think that's also, like, we talked about the argument of innovation versus um, traditional games as well. Mm-hmm. But there's also, like, that same argument of, like, longevity and everyday gameplay versus memorable and memorable moments and big moments that stick with you. Whereas, like, I think there is a, like, Mario, like, not even Mario. Let's use Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing New Horizons is a game people can pick up and play every single day. 
And that game is a longevity game. It's not like a game to where you're playing that for a 16 hour story. And that story is just really going to be memorable. It's like really going to be like impactful. You're playing Mario Kart. uh, You're playing like Mario Kart or Animal Crossing just for like the, the funness of it, the pick up and play value of it versus like God of War and the way like Kratos and Atreus like interact, I think about that and it still makes me feel that emotion of like the first time I played that game. Like I I can look at that. I can look at Uncharted, uh, like any of the Uncharted games, especially mm. four. And I I can I can still kind of tear up a little bit when in like when like Nathan Drake and his brother have that reunion after everything that's going on between them. And it's like when Nate and when like Nathan sees his brother for the first time after all these years that he thought was dead and like legitimately he you can see him choking up and you feel that emotions because like you know Nathan for so long it's it's that that level of storytelling and that the way they make you feel it's that like the impact versus longevity and I think I think they're they're like two sides of the same coin because like mm-hmm. you can be a gamer who likes longevity or a gamer who likes um impact or you can be a gamer who can flip a coin and like whatever it lands on is whatever your mood is that day and you like both of them but i think when people think of like at the end of the year when they think of what game what game had the biggest moments i think it always leans towards what game made me feel the like actually made me feel in the most impactful way possible and i think that's that's the argument there well, everybody, that has been the first episode uh spoiled us kind of with some bonus discussion. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, with that, everybody, uh, we will let you know what our next game is going to be um, uh, soon. So if you would like to know about that, you can hit us up on Twitter for, I mean, uh, hit us up on, not, not Twitter, on our Discord um, for Boss Rush Media and uh check us out on um twitter at boss rush media um on, on twitter with that everybody have a great week have a great weekend and we'll see you next time nintendo on- expansion pass is part of nintendo power block and is a product of boss rush media llc the show is recorded from our headquarters in akron ohio and is hosted by me Edward varnell my co-host is corey deary you can find Corey at I am Corey at HD on Twitter and Instagram, as well as hosting the Boss Rush Podcast and Tower Casuals, the Destiny Podcast. Follow Expression Pass as part of Nintendo Powerblock and on all social media platforms at Powerblock Podcast. You can also follow Boss Rush Media and Boss Rush Network on all major social media platforms. Join the Boss Rush Network Discord and Facebook groups to interact with other friends and fans. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.